When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're a seventh day in an Aikido, they give you no, a size don't. 17 red shoe. Stop they do. It. They do. They do. Um, and which is why there's a theory out there that Ronald McDonald of McDonald's fame that's is, what I was thinking is of. an Aikido grandmaster. I could see it. Well, that's why. But that's when, so if you're an Aikido legend, you know Aikido really well, right? Yeah. You see those red shoes, those iconic red shoes, and you're like, okay, I, I get it. Most people think that those are called clown shoes. But yeah. They're long. They're actually Aikido Grandmaster shoes. Shit. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy shit. Welcome to the Shit They Do Not Tell You About podcast. This is, is the Stephen Shit They Green. Don't Tell You podcast. My name is Stephen Green. I'm Nikki Limo. And today's a very special day indeed because... We have a new set. No, that's not why. Oh. Today's a very special day indeed because we are talking about one of my childhood heroes, ironically. One of the men that I have looked up to the most in my, as a man, ironically. Prince? I said ironically. Oh, right, ironically. Um, we're talking, of course, about action hero and megastar, ironically, Stephen fucking Seagal. Why don't you let me decide if it's ironic? I want to know. I want to know. Do you know what irony is? Explain it. Yeah. Define it. I can't. So what are you talking about? Well, I mean, Alanis Morissette couldn't even define it, and she did a whole song about nobody it. Nobody can define it. Yeah. No, nobody knows how to do it. It's nobody. like <laughs> it's like when you're saying something, and it's so meta that it's like not it's not true, but it becomes true. It's like good advice you just can't take. <laughs> it's like rain on your wedding day. I don't get that one. Well, it didn't rain on our wedding day. That's why you don't get it. But why'd you say rain? Because that's what she says. Oh, I see. She says, Ray hey, Yane. Hey, nice. That's what she says. For Office fans out there, that was for you guys. All right. Let's move on. So, I saw this movie called Under Siege. Okay? Mm -hmm. And this was my introduction to Steven Seagal. And what I didn't realize was Steven Seagal came into form in that movie riding off the coattails of uh, an action mega hit called Die Hard. I am familiar with Die Hard. So Die Hard kind of, and I hate to sound like everybody else whenever they talk about Die Hard, but it, it I'm going to repeat what everyone else says, and that it changed action movies forever. Mm. Okay, You had a guy who who wasn't your, your prototypical action star, right? Usually your, your action star of that era, he had muscles coming out of his head. He had come, muscles coming out of his ass. Yeah. Oh. His muscles had muscles. His muscles had a wife and kids, and they all had muscles. Oh like, shit! It was crazy. Yeah. The amount of steroids that was used in the <laughs> 1970s, 1980s would make Arnold Schwarzenegger say, "Oh wow, that's a lot of steroids." That's a pretty <laughs> good, good impression. Pretty good Arnold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been working on that one for like an hour and a half. Okay. Um. So, what is interesting about this era is that, you know. Because Bruce Willis came on the scene, and he's not like Rambo, right? He's not like, you know, tearing his shirt off in the jungle, like glistening abs, mm -hmm. 
ten thousand muscles. He's just an everyman. I see. And he, it's him against himself, trapped in a building with terrorists, and he's got to save his wife and ultimately save himself and his marriage with his wife. I see. It's not a story about a guy who's so strong that he can break anyone's neck that he sees. Or there's heart. Yes, exactly. He can't just shove a guy through a wall. I see. You know what I mean? He's a real person. And that kind of is what allowed for, like, say, Michael Keaton to become Batman, right? Mm. You see Michael Keaton wearing, like, he's Michael Keaton. He's not exactly, like, a tall guy. He's not exactly, a, like, a super muscly fit guy. He's a guy that they put into a muscle suit, and you still bought it. And everyone's like, holy shit, that's still Batman. Yeah. Because he was still, he just had that verve or vibe to him that was mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, he is that guy. The charm. Yeah, or the darkness. I see. And so then, you know, I think, and I want you to remember what I just said about Bruce Willis and how he was more human, right? That's going to be a very important thread that I want to carry throughout this entire conversation about Steven Seagal. Yeah. So I watched this movie called called Steven Seagal Presents Under Siege. Uh, It's called Steven Seagal Presents? I'm pretty sure. No. Is it really? I don't know. No, it's not. But, you know, it it might as well be. Yeah. So, so there's a, there's, um, a lot of action in this movie. Mm-hmm. Steven Skull plays a character that should have been an everyman. Okay. Um, however, he wasn't. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. Not, I just want you to remember that because that's a little primer. Oh, a teaser. A little teaser, a little primer for mm. what I want to get to. But the first thing that I want you guys to know about Steven Skull is that he is, he well, he claims to be, well, no, he, he is an Aikido Dan. What's that? So an Aikido Dan is uh, a master of the martial art of Aikido. Okay. Okay. Which is, you know, uh, it's it's a, a martial art that Joe Rogan has described as something that, quote, would never work against a trained fighter. Never. Not in a million years. Oh, my God. So you're talking about a man who is what's called a seventh Dan what is wait? What is what is a Aikido? Why can't a fighter beat it? Why why can't a fighter? Why can't an Aikido person beat a fighter? Okay, so unfortunately, and for any Aikido fans out there, I mean no disrespect at all, but Aikido is not a real martial art. What? Yeah, and I mean no disrespect. If you're a huge Aikido fan out there, hey, good on you. How about that? Um, go sit at the kids' table. And I mean no disrespect by that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just go sit at the kids' table for your macaroni and cheese, okay? Dad's going to come with the chicken nuggets. Just wait, okay? And I mean no disrespect by that. Right. Um, but yeah, that's where you should probably be sitting right now. I still don't know what it is. So Aikido is is a martial art that has to do with tripping your enemy. Oh, okay. okay. Tripping your enemy, using their momentum against them. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, too, because I'm as I watched... Like Ninja Turtles movies in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, who the fuck taught the Foot Clan to fight like this? They're just running at the turtles and the turtles are just throwing them. Mm-hmm. And that's what Aikido is. The Foot Clan was Aikido masters. They were all Aikido seventh dance. Or maybe sixth dance. Dance? Yeah, that's what, they, that's what they're called. A seventh dan is like top, top, top flight Aikido master. Okay. okay. And Steven Seagal actually was the first American to open an Aikido dojo in Japan. Oh. Yes. Because even in Japan, people want to learn how to fight bad. 
That's what this article says. That has nothing to do with me. I see. Yeah, this is what that's what the article says. I see. Yeah. So Steven Seagal um, is an Aikido Seventh Day. He comes to America. He becomes Sean Connery's um, um, martial arts. What do you call it? Like a choreographer, fight choreographer. Yeah. On a, mo- a little movie called Seven- Never Say Never Again. Which was Sean Connery's return to James Bond. So Sean Connery's like fifty. Mm-hmm. He comes back to James Bond after like twelve years, and a pay in for a paycheck. And Steven Seagal is teaching Sean Connery how to fight, like for the scene. And Sean Connery breaks. I'm sorry, Steven Seagal breaks Sean Connery's wrist. Oh, on the set. What the fuck? Yeah, and so how did know, he keep shooting? Sean Connery's a badass. Oh, okay. Sean Connery's not like the like regular people. He just used that to to hold the cocktail. <laughs> Yeah, I mean exactly. Even dude, even Harrison Ford, bro. Harrison Ford was on the set of The Force Awakens. Okay, at the te- by the way, at the young age of seventy-seven years old, mm-hmm. the Millennium Falcon door falls on his leg. He breaks it, and he has to take months off. Sean Connery breaks his wrist, and he puts ice on it. You know? <laughs> and he's back shooting the next day. He, hell, he's back shooting fifteen minutes later. That's what. I- Actually, this is a true story. He didn't even know that he broke his wrist until the nineties. Oh, I'm not kidding. Wait, what? It's actually a true story. Okay. Yeah, because he had broken it in such a weird way that he didn't really realize it. Hmm. And I imagine. How can you pinpoint it to that moment then? That Steven Seagal did it. I don't know. It's just something I read. Okay. Jesus. Wow. Was this a hard hitting Diane Sawyer interview? No, I just want to know. Wow. Jesus. Um, Yeah, it is actually. Okay. Wow. I I want the facts. I want all the facts. So um, I also need to mention this too as a little primer. Mm-hmm. Okay, Steven Seagal is also. This is in the year 1997, so I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Okay, the supreme head of a particular school of Tibetan Buddhism announced that Steven Seagal was what's called a tulku. Well, I thought he was a Dan. I mean, that's that's what it says. A tulku. He's also a Dan. He's a tulku and a Dan. It's and a tulku in layman's terms is a reincarnated Buddhist master who has, quote, vowed to take rebirth to help all beings attain enlightenment. Rinpoche believed back in the 17th century that Steven Seagal was actually Turton Shungdang Dori, a renowned translator who opened his own monastery and found several powerful relics. And thanks to this history, Seagal got declared a lama. Which is he's a llama? Yeah, he's just a notch down from the Dalai Lama himself. No way. Way. And while Stephen Seagal during the ceremony for this, Stephen Seagal pledged that he would help ease the suffering across the globe. And since then, he goes to New Age retreat seminars, and he talks about compassion. This he reminds me of like a, a Napoleon Dynamite character, <laughs> like that guy that has his like fight school. And Napoleon Dynamite takes it. I don't get it. I haven't seen the movie. You have not seen Napoleon Dynamite? No, of course I've seen it. I'm just trying not to. Oh, I see. How dare you? Okay. Excuse me. It's like Rainy Yane. How dare you? So, um, several people, however, are skeptical about that status. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, they question if he has the actual moral character to be a llama. Richard Gere of pretty woman fame mm-hmm. we're talking about the man from pretty woman oh i know who he is he expressed a doubt saying quote if someone's a tolku that's great but no one knows if steven seagal's claim is true 
Others allege that before he was pronounced a tolku, Seagal, and this is from Looper, by the way, Seagal had donated quite a bit of cash to the school where he was named that. And so they say that explains why they made him a tolku. I see. You dig it? Money. So. Or he's a tolku. That's what people are saying. So I want to skip forward a little bit. Well, now I want to skip backward a little bit. Okay. We're going to 1988. The movie is above the law. Steven Skull plays a former CIA officer. Okay. Who is in the Vietnam War. Okay. They put him in, in Vietnam. Oh, so this is a movie. You, that's why you've seen it because of Vietnam movies. Yeah. Hell yeah. My grandpa had me watch all kinds of Vietnam movies. I see. So Steven Seagal, he has to, you know, do some CIA shit in a jungle. And he claims that this movie is loosely based off of his time in the CIA. Okay. So he was in the CIA? He says he was in the CIA big time. Hmm. However, there is no attribution to him being in the CIA. The CIA has never said he's in the CIA. No one's ever confirmed that he's in the CIA. Just Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal's like, I was in the fucking CIA. And then probably all the guys around him are like, yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> okay. So either he's Bob Lazar and they scrubbed his record because they, because he outed some information. Which is a historical fact. Or he's Philip from Survivor. Stealth R Us. Yeah. Stealth R Us. The specialist. The specialist himself. Yeah. So that could be. And if you haven't watched Survivor, you really should check it out. You, first of all, show. if you haven't watched Survivor Get Wrecked, like why who, how are you even existing? Um secondly, one of the pillars of Steve and I's relationship is that Jeff Probst is the greatest host on TV of all time. When we were on our first date, we said, name greatest host on TV. And both of Jeff us Probst. said at the same time, Jeff Probst. And then and we got married instantly. Had, there were stars in our right, eyes. Right there. Everything slowed down. She also happened to, to drop her luggage. And then I was picking it up at the same time. And I was helping her. And we, we called And our eyes. hands touched. Exactly. So that's a fact. It happened in on our first date, which was, I guess, in an airport. What was that? A sushi restaurant, actually, if you remember. Correctly. Well, why was my luggage there? I don't know why you brought your luggage. It was weird. <laughs> it was very weird. You brought all your baggage, so I guess I brought mine, too. I don't get it. Oh, it I had just want, gotten through a severe breakup, so I don't know why that makes any sense. <laughs> um, At so, least you got to keep the air mattress. Do we still have it? <laughs> I want to reminisce. <laughs> no. Uh, so, the year is... So, he does that movie above the law. It kills. It mm. crushes at the box office. Yeah. Okay. Then, then he does a movie two years later called uh, I'm sorry, called Hard to Kill, okay, where he plays a guy who gets attacked in the beginning of the movie, and he kind of has to learn how to walk again, how to like move again, and all this stuff, mm. and he falls in love with a beautiful woman named Kelly LeBrock, who's also the main chick Lisa in Weird Science. Oh, okay. You ever yeah. see that Weird yeah, Science movie? I did. Yeah. Okay, well, guess what? He ends up marrying her. Oh, shit. He really? marries Lisa no. from Weird Science, Kelly LeBrock. They have like three kids together. She's like the perfect girl. She was, I mean, bro, you're talking about Kelly LeBrock, like late 80s, early 90s? Yeah. Holy Jesus Christ. Crazy. Insanity. Yeah. And yeah, Steven Seagal was all up in it, up and down, leftwards and rightwards. That's what the article says. Up, down, leftwards, rightwards, north and south, and east and west. Was it Robert Downey Jr. in that movie? Was it weird Dan? science. Yeah. He was. Okay. That's what I thought. So yeah. So then he he does uh, Hard to Kill. Uh-huh. In my opinion, he actually 
is very good in this movie. Oh, yeah? He's a very good actor. Ironically or not? No, no, no. No, no, no. Actually, unironically. We'll get to the ironically part later. Okay, because I never know when it's ironic or if it's just coincidence. Well, I completely understand. But you have to understand that there's a basis for all this, right? He he built the foundation that he then crumbled. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what happened with Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. I see. He built this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful little foundation, and then he toppled it himself. I kind of relate. I don't know. What, what, how? I don't know. I just feel like, you know, if you did something cool, but you don't know why everyone thought it was cool, then no, you, you kind of just don't know how to no, replicate you, it. You know why everyone thought it was cool. It's because you're in it. Yeah, yeah. It's because you're the center frame of the whole thing. Okay, I don't relate to that part. Exactly. That's not you. No. So, Hard to Kill comes out. It crushes. And then he does a little movie called Marked for Death. We're going to skip over that. It's whatever. Then he does a movie called Out for Justice. Okay, Out for Justice, in my opinion, still a bomb movie. You could watch it right now. And I'd be like, that's probably going to be a fun time. Yeah. He plays um, an Italian named Gino Fellino. <laughs> okay. And that's basically how he does this accent in this movie. Okay. Seagal's not an Italian man. Wow. But Seagal is doing like a, a Super Mario version <laughs> of of the Italian language, which by the way, that's a different province, right? We're talking about the Mushroom Kingdom. That is in Italy. Mm-hmm. And so people don't, people get that confused a lot. And well, they that's think, because it's underground. And you have to go through pipes to get there. That's what I'm saying. So people get that confused a lot and they go, oh, that's so messed up. Oh, why would they, why do people do that? The, it's because of the Mushroom Kingdom and, and honestly, representation matters. So the Mushroom Kingdom is where Gene... <laughs> Is where Gino Fellino is from, mm-hmm. and that's what people don't understand when they watch yeah, Out for Justice. Of course. Exactly. Um, so he does this movie, and honestly, it's also buoyed off of a great performance from the villain. It has kick-ass action scenes, right? You they're all believable action scenes. And he it's it's just a it's just a dope movie, and you mm-hmm. really believe this revenge tale. Okay. So then um we we get to where I want to get to, okay, which is where I found Steven Seagal. 1992, the movie Under Siege. Mm. He plays a lonely little cook named Casey fucking Ryback, all right? And the movie starts with Casey Ryback on the ship. He's just making soup, okay? He's making... Is he Italian? He's not Italian, but he's basically playing Steven Seagal in this movie. Okay. Okay? He's making hot wings, okay? He's making... Pizza pockets, all kinds of stuff on the on the ship. And this is what is described as Die Hard on a Boat. Okay. So in this movie, you have Tommy Lee Jones. He's the villain. You have Gary Busey, mm-hmm. who's also one of the bad guys in this movie. And we, we could do a whole episode about Gary Busey, by yeah, the way. Yeah, please and we, do. And, and I will. Um, but Casey Ryback is a lonely little cook. But what the bad guys don't know when they take over the ship is that Steven Seagal is also an ex-Navy SEAL who just wanted to cook a little bit because he was tired of all the war stuff. Yeah. Okay. As you are when you're like an ex-Navy SEAL. Exactly. And you just want to cook. He just wanted to hang out and cook. You okay. just want to smell like some garlic and onions. He Exactly. And he was, he was passionate about about the soups and all the different all the different flavors. He was learning. He was learning mostly a Tuscany kind uh-huh. of vibe. Is what he's going after. Gotcha. Yeah. So so this movie comes out. It's a smash hit, right? And it's riding off the success of Die Hard. But Die Hard, and this is what I wish Seagal knew about Under Siege and what I wish he knew about even his early earlier films like Hard to Kill. Die Hard was about a regular guy that we were rooting for because he showed vulnerabilities. It was him versus himself 
in a in a high rise, right? Yes, of course the terrorists were there. Yes, of course there there were bad guys, but it was really him versus himself trying to fix his marriage, trying to fix himself, right? Because he was too prideful and stubborn, and he is why his life isn't working out right now, and that's completely missing from Under Siege. Mm. Completely missing from any vulnerability in any of the Seagal movies does not exist. Steven Seagal famously will not take a punch in his movies. He doesn't want to show vulnerability. He doesn't want to get hit. He wants to be a pure blood action star. But that doesn't help us connect to him. Mm. And I think that that's why, you know, I, I think that that's why I liked him so much in Hard to Kill because the movie opens with him basically getting like near paralyzed and he has to learn how to walk again and stuff. And so you're like, you're really rooting for the guy. And he, he loses all that as he continues his career because he starts taking himself more and more seriously. Well, he, off thinks, of, he probably thinks that the thing people liked was the macho stuff. Well, right, exactly. He yeah. doesn't know why people liked him. Yeah. And it was because, honestly, the reason why I liked him initially was because it seemed like he knew what he was doing with the fight stuff and he was kind of funny. Okay. But he didn't... like. The, I would say that he did the, the funny stuff better than a lot of the action stars of his time. Like... You know, Arnold did it really well in Terminator 2, obviously. And and a bunch of times. Under uh, True Lies, all the James Cameron stuff, really. But um, Seagal had like a natural funny thing going on for some reason because it looked like he took himself so fucking seriously <laughs> that when he did a joke, you're like, should I be laughing at this? Like, it was kind of like that. So it is Phil the Specialist from Survivor. Yes, <laughs> yes. It is Phil the Specialist. So yeah, so he does, he does Under Siege. He's Casey fucking Ryback. This movie is a gargantuan success. Okay. Especially for the budget. So why wouldn't you think that you're the reason why everything's successful? Exactly. Yeah. So now we're talking about he does he does four movies and then the fifth is a gargantuan hit, even bigger than the last ones, right? So then he's coming to this, he's riding so high, he's like, fuck, you know what I'm gonna do? He's like, the next movie I do, I'm directing it. Yeah. I'm starring in it. And it's going to be about something that's personal to me, okay? So, or, or a message that I want to convey to the world. So he does a movie called On Deadly Ground. And it has to do with like Native American tribe situations going on with like drug deals and like bad guys and all this shit. And in this movie that Seagal directed, he gives a 45-minute speech at the end about how we're polluting the world and how we should like knock it off and stuff. <laughs> it was 40, 45 minutes in the initial theatrical cut. It was 45 minutes. So during, I'm sorry, not the theatrical cut, but during the test screenings, it was 45 minutes. What? And so test audiences were like, what in the fuck is this? You cannot, what, That's what are like you doing? Ha- uh, more than half a movie. Yeah. And if you didn't get it, if you didn't get it in like a couple minutes, yeah, you're, you're probably just going on and on about something. Jeez. And so, yeah, he was really trying to, I guess, drive a point home. Which is kind of what happened too with Super Superman Four: The Quest for Peace, where Christopher Reeve is like, uh, "Hi, I'm Superman. I'm gonna take all the nukes and throw them into the sun." And then um, at the end of the movie, he, him, and like a group of kids all walk into Congress, and then Superman gives a speech about how he's ending nuclear war. But like, you're basically fucking asleep at this mm-hmm. point, and you get that you know he it's it's very heavy handed is the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like. We got it. Is this a PSA? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Is this a commercial? Like, it's just right over the head. Jeez. Yeah. So that's what happened with On Deadly Ground. And basically, the idea behind this is the studio was like, 
hey, we want you to do Under Siege 2 because Under Siege 1 was so big. We want you, we want you to do Under Siege 2 Dark Fucking Territory. We want you to do Die Hard on a Train. And he's like, I'm not doing anything until I get to direct on Deadly Ground my way and do my movie. And they're like, fine, whatever. So he does this, right? He makes he makes on Deadly Ground and then he makes Under Siege 2 Dark Territory, which underperforms right. at the box office. Unfortunately, I think it's because, like I said, in Under Siege 1, he just wasn't, it was a, it was good. I still like that movie to this day, but he wasn't a human being like the rest of us. He was just funny and he was really good at, at martial arts and like, and like, like shooting guns. Aikido? He was good at throwing dudes off of things. Yes. I see. Tripping dudes. I'm yeah. sorry. Yes. Um, so then, okay, then he does a movie that I still love to this day. It's called Executive Decision. It has Kurt Russell, and this is the first time, and I think maybe the only time, that I've ever seen Steven Seagal die on camera until like the after the year two thousand. So this is we're talking about nineteen ninety six. Executive decision. The movie opens up with Seagal. He's on this like strike team, and he's like a badass and all this shit. And and in during the filming of this movie, he famously. Um, John Leguizamo tells a joke about Steven Seagal and Steven Seagal like throws him into a wall and he's like, yo, fuck you, man. <laughs> so like he was taking himself real seriously at this point. I love speaking of Super Mario Brothers. I love John Leguizamo. It's the best Luigi ever on, yeah. on film. Ever on film. I love the joke where it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm Mario Mario and he's Luigi Mario because we're the Mario Brothers. Because it's like, well, how could both of you be Mario? That's their last name. Oh, that's pretty it's, good. It's really funny. That's pretty good. Yeah. I didn't realize it was last name. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in this movie, within the first like 25 minutes, Steven Seagal dies. Oh. And he sacrifices himself to save the team. He actually shoves Kurt Russell into an airlock and closes it off to save the mission. And he dies. Oh, I see. So he doesn't take a hit, but he just like, he sacrifices himself. He sacrifices himself. Yeah. But till that point, I never... And, and apparently... According to like behind the scenes, he was fucking pissed at this. Oh, because he was like, "What the fuck are you talking about? I'm gonna die in this movie." And they're like, "Yeah, dude, that's what was in the script. You have to die in this movie." And he's like, "I didn't fucking know this shit." Oh, so he was pissed. He didn't know. He didn't know. But I have to say, it like made him look awesome. Yeah, like that for me growing up, I was like, "Dude, Seagal fucking sacrificed himself. That was sick." Because I expected to see Seagal like save the day on the on the plane. Yeah, because that's his thing. Because this is a movie about. Like they have to get onto a plane to to stop a bomb, right? And they basically like fly a self fighter that connects to a plane and goes in through an airlock that doesn't really exist in planes. Mm-hmm. And it was fucking sick. Mm-hmm. And during this process of the transfer, Seagal um, has to push everyone through, and then he closes it, and then he gets all fucked up and dies. Mm. So it was pretty visceral, and I was very happy that Seagal sacrificed himself for once. Um, so then unfortunately he does this movie called the glimmer man afterwards. Terrible it, name. It yeah, doesn't really have, um, the same kind of hit that he's used to at all. Like, unfortunately, um, Seagal also started to get a little bit full of himself by this time. Right. Yeah, of course. So there's a moment where, um, the bad guy in this movie, he was a serial killer. Okay, and Seagal was supposed to blow the bad guy away, but Seagal decided that it was quote bad for his karma 
to keep killing people on screen. And so he wanted the bad guy to survive. And then thinking on his feet, the actor who played the bad guy, he's like, well, the characters really, if you think about it, what he's going through, he's trapped in his own private hell. So you're kind of doing him a favor and allowing him to reincarnate as a more peaceful being. And then Seagal's like, oh, shit, <laughs> that's a great point. And in the scene, you know, they, they actually like were able to perform it. But they had to fill Steven Seagal's head with shit to get him to just do what was on the page. I see. Because he just wow. was, he was at that level of like, look, I realize that everyone sees me as this like, you know, I'm a fucking battle master. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually a very peaceful man. <laughs> and everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're doing an action oh scene. Oh my God. There's like nine extras here. They're all holding sharpened pool cues. They're ready to fuck you up with them. Like they're, they can't wait to, to have you pretend punch them in the face and then they're going to fly back nine feet. Like, what are you talking about right now? <laughs> like, that's basically what it was like. I see. So, well, we have to take a break. Okay. But... But real quickly, real quickly. Okay. So they shoot, the, they, they film that scene, right? Uh-huh. Where he, he quote unquote kills the bad guy. But then Seagal ad libs a line <laughs> afterward. He says, thank God I didn't kill that guy. <laughs> <laughs> did so it, it make the cut no it did not okay make the cut. but that's what the guy who played the bad guy said uh-huh. he was like yeah seagal was like hey that guy didn't kill that guy huh and then everyone and then they cut they just cut it <laughs> so he wanted so badly so for badly that to be for the image yeah yeah that's hilarious yeah so right. uh, well we have to take a break but when we come back more and more and more the legend Steven of Steven seagal. seagal continues after this and isn't it ironic? Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We just want to take a break to tell you to like, thanks for listening to our podcast. And if you want to rate it, that would be really awesome for us. Like, Listen, we're on break. We're not talking to you like podcast hosts right now. We're just talking to you like people. As a friend. And we just want to say, please rate the show because it helps out huge amounts. Like we're not desperate. We're like kind of desperate. We're giving shout outs right now to all the people who are giving it ratings. So huge shout out right now to Brian Jorgensen. That was sick of you, dude. Thank you. God bless. Uh, huge shout out right now to Mark. 
Mark W. in Springfield, Connecticut. Back to our podcast. Jenny Bly. Hey, back to our podcast. In Tuscany, and Florida. back to our podcast. God bless you. Thank you. Steven. Thank you for supporting the show. <laughs> we're back. Welcome back to Shit They Don't Tell You. Oh, it's just regular Shit They Don't Tell You. No, I almost said After Dark. No, this is The Legend of Steven Seagal. Well, this is... Should they don't tell you presents the, le- the legend of Steven Seagal. Thank you. So, getting right back into it, okay? We're talking about a man who, at the height of weird science fame, yeah, smashes Kelly LeBrock. Uh-huh. Okay? We're talking about a man who, during his reign, when he was filming Out for Justice, there was a martial arts legend named Gene LaBelle. And he... Uh, he knew judo. He knew jujitsu. Okay. He was a two-time national heavyweight judo champion. He taught Bruce Lee how to grapple. Whoa. All right. That's pretty cool. Kind of a legend. So he was a stuntman in like a thousand films, a bunch of TV shows. He was also the fight choreographer on How Out for Justice with Steven Seagal. So during the filming, Seagal bragged that no one in the world could choke him out, saying that he had a special move that prevented anyone from putting him to sleep. Okay. Listen, if you sat there with a fucking high priest and he's like, yo, you're probably the Dalai Lama. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't you think maybe you had some kind of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. So then Gene goes, all right, I accept that challenge. And then they went on it. Within seconds, LaBelle had Seagal in a rear naked choke and that's when the Aikido master shit his pants. Uh, he fell asleep. And then I guess he had had a large meal that day. Okay. And he proceeded to shit his pants. Not enough fiber. Or too much fiber. Well, he just, I mean, dude, he got choked out and he lost oh control. Oh my gosh. So that was. Wow. That's a famous. Maybe that was part of his move. I don't believe that it was. Oh. But that that would make sense. <laughs> it will make you leave them alone. Yeah, like, you know, like bee, bees can sting you, but then they die. But like you got stung. So like, don't fuck with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like a skunk. Yeah, or like He's a like, skunk. Hey, dude, I'll yeah. shit myself all over. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, right. oh, shit. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Don't, don't mess with that guy. Yeah. Okay, so then, you know, some years go by. Uh, there's, there's some other movies, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um. Um, where does he rank with like, okay, so I know nothing about Steven Seagal, okay. like really just didn't know any of this, but like, does, was he during the same era as Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yes, him, Jean-Claude Van Damme, yeah. Stallone, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris is the other one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we're talking about legends here. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So they were all kind of Icon. in the same yeah. realm. But Seagal made people like me, right? Guys who didn't want to get up off the couch think, hey, you know what? I can be an action star too. Mm. Like, hey, if I just get, and you know, people don't know this, I actually don't have large feet. I have small feet, but you can trip people easily with larger feet. You have big feet. I have small feet, but I wear big shoes. Oh, because that tricks me. You can trip people easily if you have big shoes, I and see. that's what Aikido is all about. Actually, one of the biggest things that a seventh dan in Aikido gets when <laughs> he win when he is a seventh dan is they give him a large pair of red shoes. Seventh dan just makes it sound like you dated six guys named Dan and this is the seventh one. Well, that does sound like that, but that is not what okay, that is. Okay, you get a pair of shoes. You get a large pair of red shoes. Do you really? No, oh, you don't. Large. No, you do. They're size 17. 
You can't. I'm gullible. No, really. Yeah, you do. No, you don't. No, you actually do. Yeah. No, shut the fuck if up. If you're a seventh day in an Aikido, they give you no, a they size don't. 17 red shoe. Stop they it. do. They do. They do. Um, and which is why there's a theory out there that Ronald McDonald of McDonald's fame That's is, what I was thinking of. is an Aikido grandmaster. I could see it. Well, that's why. But that's when. So if you're an Aikido legend, you know Aikido really well, right? Yeah. You see those red shoes, those iconic red shoes, and you're like, okay, I, I get it. Most people think that those are called clown shoes. But yeah. They're wrong. They're actually Aikido Grandmaster shoes. Shit. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy shit. Um, but yeah, that obviously helps you uh, trip, trip up people, your opponent. Yeah. yeah. Because that's what it's about with Aikido. It's the art of tripping up your opponent. That's fun. If your opponent's running at you, and hopefully, in order to alert you that they're running at you, they're also yelling at the top of their lungs. Yeah. Um. Yeah. These shoes would help with that. Like um, like um, three ninjas. I feel like they did, did aikido. You know. You know. They three did ninjas. do aikido. Okay. I'm just ashamed because they. Well, they're small guys. Yeah, but they tripped a lot of bad guys that they were running after them. They did trip a lot them. of bad guys. I'm not gonna take it away from you. It's very true. And by the way, check out the Three Ninjas films if you haven't. They're incredible movies. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I like the one guy that ate a lot of candy. I related when I was a kid to Tom Tom. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Tom Tom was awesome. But I had a huge crush on Colt. Huge. Oh well, you know, go figure, because that, that was my hairstyle. In, yeah. In the nineties. Oh right. The yeah. Time, no, I time. loved that. Um. So. Steven Seagal ends up. You know, unfortunately, his movie career kind of starts to tumble at the, after this point. Right? Uh-huh. He does a movie. Did he trip? Did his career? I don't trip? get. I don't get that. It did not trip. It starts to tumble. Oh. Okay. And um, so one of the things that he started to do afterwards, and he he still has made movies after, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not. They're they're all kind of on the um, uh, how do you say direct to DVD. Uh, yeah. Versions. Okay. Right. They're not the theatrical releases anymore. I see. Right. His last one was like 2002, I believe. It was called Half Past Dead. Oh, I heard of that one. Yeah, it was him and uh, oh gosh, I can't remember, but basically he's in a mo- he's in Alcatraz. Oh. Yeah, he goes to jail. And he's in Alcatraz. Have you ever been? I've never been to Alcatraz. Oh, I have. What was it like? Um, it was a prison. Yeah. And one of the saddest parts is like they the way that they would they did this by design to torture the prisoners. You could see a view of San Francisco from like different parts of so Alcatraz, so they could see like freedom and what they did. Like they could see life happening like without them. Insanity, okay. especially for the innocent. Holy yeah. shit, guy. Uh, but no, Al Capone was. They didn't cover that there. in Half Past Dead. Did they cover Al Capone? They did not. He was in there. Have you seen the movie The Rock? No. That's my favorite James Bond movie. I'll get to that at a later date. Okay. Um. So, Steven Seagal, he's coming. He's he starts to do directed DVD movies. He also then decides it's time for everyone to understand where he's gotten his power from, where he's gotten his energy from, and he releases an energy drink called light <laughs> called Lightning Bolt. No, he doesn't. Yes, really? He does. Yes, he does. It's called Lightning Bolt. Oh my gosh. He um He's a genius, honestly. <laughs> you, do you see why? Yeah. So he says it's the first energy drink made from one hundred percent natural juice. And uh, and let me just quote him real quick. I have traveled the world creating this drink. There is none better that I know. 
Um, I have included in this drink everything I could to strengthen the body. What's in it? A bunch of preservatives. <laughs> no. <laughs> Antioxidants. Um, it has it has okay, so it does have Tibetan goji berry. Okay. Um and yeah, that's about it. It's just goji berry? It's just goji berry and like carbonation and uh it has naturally occurring pol I don't know, you fucking read that shit. Good luck with that one. Oh. It says poliso That's not a word. Whatever. It's an interesting way of saying high fructose corn corn syrup, all right? Fuck off. Um, so, okay, now we're getting into the territory, the dark territory. Thank you. Uh, Under Siege 2, dark territory. Uh-huh. A little callback. Oh, I see the pun. Thank you. Um, of Steven Seagal working as an officer in Jefferson Parish, Louisiana for two decades under the radar. People don't know this. Okay, people did not know this. Wait, he was actually working as an officer? Oh, that's officer? what he says. I'm quoting him. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. So he does a movie, or I'm sorry, he does a television series called Lawman. Uh-huh. Steven Seagal uh, presents Lawman. Okay. Is it always Steven Seagal presents, or are you just saying? On every single movie, it's Steven Seagal presents. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this this movie, or I'm sorry, this, this series actually follows Steven Seagal as he inserted himself into the Jefferson Parish Police Department. Okay. And he's like showing them how to like make moves and like how to take guns Wait, away. Was from this like a documentary? This is an A and E show, yeah, that followed him. Okay. It was like a reality TV show that followed him as a cop. Uh-huh. And he was like really there with cops, like taking down drug deals, pulling people over. No. I'm serious. I watched like fucking three seasons of the show. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I watched like so much of the show. It's crazy. It was real, real drug deals and real stuff that he was like, he was fighting real crime. He was fighting real crime. He was. I think I vaguely remember hearing about this. He was in the worst shape of his life. I think you told me about it. I definitely did. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan. I, I watched. Okay. I didn't, I don't think I watched three seasons. I watched the first two seasons, like all of it basically. Yeah. There's a, there's a great episode to begin the show or like first couple episodes where he's teaching them how to disarm an enemy that has a gun. But they're so like, holy shit, this Steven Seagal is pretty crazy. <laughs> that he's like, hey, come up here, try to take, or he's like, pull a gun on me. And then they do, but then he like, he, they don't do what they normally would do, is just pull the trigger of the yeah. gun. They like let him just have their hands while they hold the gun, and then he kind of maneuvers them however he wants. Like, and so he's taking the gun, putting it over the head, putting it all around the body, and he's like, see how I can just have control over right that's now? That's so the teacher in Napoleon Dynamite. It's so good, dude. Seagal, I'm telling he's you, He's like the Kenny Powers of of FBI authority crime fighting he, he, stuff. I have to correct you. If Kenny Powers was an ex-CIA agent, I would agree with Yes. You, but he's not. Oh, right. So you have to remember that. Um, so this, this show ended because first of all, there was like a, a sexual abuse allegation against Steven Seagal from his personal assistant. Okay. There was also, um, an incident where he drove a, like police tank through a wall. A police tank? Yeah, like a police, like one of those like Humvees, like like oh, armored okay. vehicles yeah, yeah. through a wall on a drug bust. And That's it, pretty sick. It's really sick. But it ended with like the death of a puppy. Oh, no. 
walkway. I assume was on the other side of that wall. Oh, why'd you have to ruin that? I don't know, but I'm obviously laughing about it. It's mean. Uh, no, because it's just, I can't even <laughs> believe that that's sad. real. How sad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to believe that that's even real. He killed a puppy? Allegedly. Okay, and I needed I need to make sure I say that. Okay. Is he still married to the... the no, they divorced a long time ago. <laughs> oh, God. She said it was a nightmare. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. But they, allegedly, she married, said it was a nightmare. Being, uh, being married to him would be a nightmare? That's crazy. He's well, like, they had multiple kids together. Okay. Um, they I've, all know Akito, I'm sure. Well, listen, if... And this so is probably kind of... Probably like a fourth Dan. This is kind of a high-level move. I don't know if you're aware of this move. But in Aikido, if... And this is probably like a sixth or seventh Dan move. If you stand, if you get your buddy who is in a coordinated move, right? This is choreographed. Okay. To like get down on all fours behind your opponent and you then push your opponent, causing your opponent to trip over the body the bud- of your friend that is pushed on all fours. That is considered a high level Aikido, Aikido <laughs> move. You need a whole friend to do that? But that's called that's that's a, that's an Aikido finishing move. <laughs> does he does the friend know that he's gonna participate or like beforehand or is it like look. in the moment? And yeah, you gotta give him the look. Oh shit! But once once the look is given, then the friend gets into the position, and that is considered a finishing move in the form of Aikido. There is no getting up after that. Nobody's ever gotten up from that. In fact, nobody's ever seen anyone get up after that. I feel like I'd be good at. Being the friend of an Aikido person. I could do the behind the bad guy on all fours thing. I think that you think that that sounds easy, but it's really not. Oh. It's sort of like how you think a karate chop looks easy, but then you have you ever tried to karate chop 18 bricks? No. See, it's not very easy, is it? Can we move this? Thank you. How Sorry. easy do you think it would be to to karate chop, you know, uh, a bunch of a, a brick wall? I don't want to. You think that's easy? No, I, I want to keep the wall standing. Okay, but I'm saying if the brick wall is laid there for you to punch through, do you think that would be easy? Of no, course not. No. So then you're you're able to have a simplified view of an entire art form just because you're ignorant. Well, I just want to be the friend. That's all. Well, I don't want to learn the art. I just want to be the friend. Do you know how long it takes the friend to actually to master a- that and learn where to be for the central point of force, where the motion is going to take place, how I'm, to get out of the way? I'm pretty practiced on being all fours. Hey, that's true. Hey, that's sick. Hey, that's so true. So true. Um, not with me though. We don't do that position. Yeah, we. Um. I th- I think that's dirty and it's against God. <laughs> Jeez. Um, okay. So, do you know the U- UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship? Yes. So it's too violent. <laughs> <laughs> I can't watch. But you want to be the Aikido friend? Yeah, because I'm okay, I'm whatever. just chilling, and he tripped over me. Anderson Silva. This is the year's 2011. Yeah. He's set to face off against Vitor Belfort. Everyone's like, dude, Anderson Silver is going to wreck this guy. He's like the best guy there is, right? Guess who walks out with him? Steven Seagal? How did you guess that? I was just guessing. Genuinely, how did you know that? I don't know. I'm kind of. Are you clairvoyant? I'm kind of clairvoyant sometimes. Holy shit. We have evidence on camera, by the way. Can we, can we get a cut of the, both, both takes? We have I two guessed, cameras right I now. I guessed that. And audio. I guessed that. She just pulled that out of nothing. I didn't even give her yeah, anything. He, I didn't even look at him. That's actually fucking crazy. I'm actually, I got chills just now. Mm. So yeah, holy shit. Um, so yeah, Steven Seagal did walk out with him. Tight. That's crazy. Um, and there was a particular kick, mm-hmm. okay, that ended the fight. A roundhouse kick? It was not a roundhouse kick. Uh, that's the only one I know. But 
Anderson Silva performed this kick and he wins the fight with it. Now, afterwards, after the fight's over, Seagal tells everybody that he taught Anderson Silva that kick. (laughs) Whoa. Come on, how sick is this guy? That's pretty sick. Come on, right? He just takes credit for everything. If you're in the room, right, and everyone's like, holy shit, something great happened. He's like, I did that. Oh, my God. He's the best, dude. I kind of know some people like this, actually. Same. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know somebody like this, you're probably not living. Yeah. You're not living a great life, I gotta say. You have no friends that would stand on all fours behind an enemy. No. Um, so, Silva ended up saying that he was practicing the kick long before Steven Zagal. No, no, I don't believe him. Which, which you know... I got to say, there's a lot of disputes out there about that. Uh-huh. There's a lot of people, in, especially in the scientific community, no who are saying... No way could he have known that kick before Steven Seagal. That's what people in the scientific community are saying. Okay. Well, I believe science. Same. Um, but 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 Silva said that Steven Seagal is a good man. Uh, a good delusional man. He didn't train me. He's a good man. He's okay. a good person. Okay. okay. So then, um, John Jones. Okay. He's at UFC 135, uh-huh. and Seagal tries to go backstage <laughs> to advise him, and they turn him away. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Steven Seagal also challenged ex-champion Randy Couture, who was also in the uh, Expendables movies, uh-huh. to a fight, but he said that there had to be no witnesses around. What? Yeah, no witnesses. That doesn't make any sense. Well, because Seagal didn't want to beat him so bad that he didn't lose his all. Well, that's phase. true. Yeah. But why did he, that would should be the other guy's stipulation then? I don't know, babe. I'm just, I'm just trying to. I know. Connect all this stuff. All right. Okay, you give me a hard time. I'm sorry, babe. Thanks, babe. <laughs> so now Steven Seagal is in this period that's very interesting. I have to say. Okay. Because he is making direct to DVD movies professionally. All right. And I don't know how, but they're still making a lot of money. Like, they're still making enough money for them to make a new Steven Seagal movie, like, every single year. Yeah. So there's enough of an irony base, and that's what I believe is going on out they there. They play them on planes? I don't play them on planes. Oh. I'm talking about there's an irony base out there that buys yeah. Steven Seagal DVDs, and they have them sent to their homes, and they <laughs> watch them in DVD players. <laughs> it's not like they're on fucking Netflix. Not on Blu-ray. No. That's what I'm saying. There's a, it's a crazy market out there. Uh huh. But did you know that Steven Seagal hosted Saturday Night Live? Uh, no. So he did, and and um, two weeks afterward, Lorne Michaels, in an opening SNL monologue, um, the host comes out and they're like, "Oh well, I hope I don't do like the worst job in SNL history." And Lorne Michaels is like, "No, that would be Steven Seagal." That was like 12 days after Steven Seagal Oh my Seagal God. Yeah. Like Steven Seagal was notoriously awful. Like Steven Seagal came in there and basically took himself very, very seriously. And anytime they wanted to try to make fun of him at all, uh-huh. he was like, no fucking way I'm doing that shit. <laughs> Does he know what show it is? Well, apparently he wanted to do a scene where he is a psychiatrist and he convinces a woman to have sex with him. Oh my God. <laughs> Like, he thought that was hilarious. Wow. So, yeah. Um, a woman with, with by the way, sexual trauma history. 
Oh, cool. So cool, he has cool, a cool, very cool, unique cool. sense of humor. Yeah. I yeah. So it's weird that his assistant would have sex. It's an unconnected thing that's completely alleged. Totally. We have to say that's on that's alleged. It is alleged. We have to say that. But um yeah, if you can't see by now why I've been an ironic fan of Steven Seagal for a long time. Yeah, I used I to wear that uh, maroon shirt with his face on it like every day when I first started dating you. You know what I mean? It gave me strength. Strength. Yeah, I really didn't know who he was. Well, let me tell you something. Thanks to Steven Seagal, and this is kind of one of those things that always, it always brings me back to my center. Mm-hmm. Like when I think about being a young man growing up in America and war and having bullies mm-hmm. knowing that I could potentially take them out if I just, you know, threw Tripped a shoe them. at their legs while they're running at me. <laughs> gave me power. Gave me strength. That's great. Thank it's you. It's inspiring. Yeah. Did you listen to the 45 minute speech on the environment? I never heard it. I wish to God they released it. I would buy it right now. You know <laughs> I would. You're talking to a guy who watched all of R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet twice in That's a row. That's true. Twice in a row. In a row. In a row. She knows. She's the only living person who's here who knows that I did that. Yeah. Who's here? Well, <laughs> there's two other people who know that I did that as yeah. well, but they're not here. They're not here. So, in summation, my dream, and then this is not a joke, I would love to do an ironic movie Featuring Steven Seagal as the lead, but it has to have heavy-handed messaging, unrealistic fight scenes that involve mostly his stunt double and shadows, Mm -hmm. because that's kind of where he's at right now. He doesn't actually perform stunts anymore. He doesn't really do fights anymore. He does a lot of shit with his hands on camera, but they always cut, and they always cut like nine times in the action scene, so you don't even know what the fuck's going on. You just see a stunt double who like, lost like 50 pounds like wailing on dudes and then it cuts back to Seagal like from the fr- front mm. and then they cut back to his behind yeah and it's like crazy does he still have his dojo in Japan yeah no 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 oh. no so okay cool Thanks I like that movie that but would you put a vulnerable part in there for him so that's exactly what I would do mm. I would actually so it, my favorite one my favorite scene in all of Die Hard is the scene where he's in the bathroom and he got his feet all cut up and he's talking about how much uh, he feels disappointed that he fucked up his marriage. Mm. And I would do that out of nowhere in the middle of Steven Seagal's movie. Yeah. Like we didn't even know he was married. We didn't know he's married. (laughs) We didn't know he had a wife. None of that. But all of a sudden his feet are all cut up and he's in the sink and he's talking about how much he loves (laughs) his wife into a a walkie-talkie to a cop that we didn't know existed. I like it. Do you see what I'm saying? Given I'd, the humanity, yeah, that I would deserve. like to watch it. I, I would like to watch. That would be my first Steven Seagal movie that be, I've watched. That'd be my dream. So, well, thank you, Steve. Hey, thank you. I'm glad you prepared a topic that you're passionate about. I'm very passionate about it. Yeah, I'm happy to answer any all questions about Steven Seagal going forward. I am, after all, the foremost ironic fan in America. The foremost. So, podcast at Nikki.lemo. If you have a Steven Seagal question, please let let me know. You know, I'm excited to answer. Let your him questions. know. Hopefully you guys got a lot out He's of this. He's sick of the crypto questions. Stop it. I don't Knock want to it hear off. one more question about Knock crypto. I swear to God. Okay. I'm, I've been too successful at it. I, I, I'm trying to put it behind me. Unless you want to go to Patreon. Patreon.com slash sticky where we do a crypto corner live stream every week. Well, yeah. by we, well, I, I mean can, Steve does it. I can finally get deep about crypto. I don't just talk about it as a topic 
and yeah. not talk about it. I actually can go deep on we it. We also do a bonus episode of Shit They Don't Tell You where we talk about just shit that we're going through at the moment that we haven't figured out yet. We kind of get to look a more intimate, more raw thing. And then we have our live show, our like uh, sticky stream, our monthly sticky stream. Yep. So check it out if you're into it. And if um, if not, I guess we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week where we talk about Ric Flair. I can't, oh, yeah. Ooh. That's a little Ric Flair inside joke if you don't know. We cut a long time ago. <laughs>